0: This podcast, brought to you by Anchor, is currently non-profit making, and is based on the second edition coursebook on international history from 1870 to 1945 for Cambridge International AS Level History. Greetings to all. In the eighth series of my podcast, which will be running concurrently with the seventh series, I will be speaking about the League of Nations and international relations in the 1920s. In this episode, I'll be looking at the question, why was there dissatisfaction with the peace settlements of 1919 to 1920? Thanks to fellow students Anna, Jasmine, Rosa and Zoe for the content in this episode. For the first section of this episode, I will look at the background to the peace settlements. In January 1918, US President Woodrow Wilson outlined his 14 points which enacted his visions for world peace. His 14 points included 1. No more secret agreements between countries. Diplomacy shall be open to the world. 2. International seas shall be free to navigate during peace and war. 3. There shall be free trade between the countries who accept the peace. 4. There shall be a worldwide reduction in weapons and armies by all countries. 5. Colonial claims over land and regions will be fair. 6. Russia will be allowed to determine its own form of government. All German troops will leave Russian soil. 7. German troops will evacuate Belgium, and Belgium will be an independent country. 8. France will regain all territory, including the disputed land of Alsace-Lorraine. 9. The borders of Italy will be established, such that the Italians will be within the country of Italy. 10. Austria-Hungary will be allowed to continue to be an independent country. 11. The Central Powers will evacuate Serbia, Montenegro and Romania, leaving them as independent countries. 12. The Turkish people of the Ottoman Empire will have their own country. Other nationalities under the Ottoman rule will also have security. 13. Poland shall be an independent country. 14. A League of Nations will be formed that protects the independence of all countries, no matter how big or small. Now on to the Treaty of Brest-Litovsk. The new Russian leader, Lenin, was desperately trying to establish his Bolshevik government and believed that Russia should end its involvement in the First World War as the war had a devastating effect on Russia's economy and the lower classes. Wilson hoped that his 14-point speech would encourage Russia to remain in the war and urge Germany to seek a peaceful settlement. However, in March 1918, he was ignored when Lenin had to sign the Treaty of Brest-Litovsk with Germany. The treaty was extremely harsh and not in line with Wilson's 14-point speech. Russia was to give up Poland, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Ukraine, Georgia and Finland. These areas contained much of Russia's best farmland, raw materials and heavy industry. As a result of the treaty, Russia lost 25% of its population 25% of its industry, and 90% of its coal mines. As Russia had left the war, Germany didn't have to fight on two fronts, so Germany gained a vast amount of land and resources as a result of the Treaty of Brest-Litovsk. They then launched a major attack on its western front, and for a time, the Central Powers were very close to victory, until the Allies launched a major counter-attack in mid-1918, which eventually pushed Germany back. Followed by this is the German Revolution. The German Revolution of 1918 began in the port city of Kiel as soldiers committed mutiny as they refused to go out to sea on a final mission against the British Navy. When the German sailors were convinced it was a suicide mission, they started a rebellion within Germany which led to an even bigger revolution. The German Revolution became much larger scale with two main demands from the German people, the German army, Prince Max and the Allies, who had threatened to invade Germany if their demands were not fulfilled. The main demands were that the Kaiser had to abdicate, and that Germany should become a socialist republic. To push for their demands, German citizens marched into Berlin city centre and protested against the Kaiser's government. Prince Max announced that the Kaiser would abdicate, and he was taken to neutral Holland to spend the rest of his life in exile. After the Kaiser abdicated, a new socialist government was formed, called the Weimar Republic, who sought peace terms based on Wilson's 14 points. Their first act was the signing of the despised Treaty of Versailles in the Hall of Mirrors of the Palace of Versailles in France. On to key terms and implications of the peace treaties for the second section. The Treaty of Saint-Germain was signed with Austria in September 1919. As part of it, Austria lost land to Czechoslovakia, Yugoslavia, Poland, Romania, and Italy. The Treaty of Neuilly was signed with Bulgaria in November 1919. Bulgaria lost territory to Greece, Yugoslavia, and Romania, and they had to reduce their army to a maximum of 20,000 men. They also had to pay reparations of over $400 million. The Treaty of Trianon was signed with Hungary in August 1920. As a result, Slovakia and Ruthenia were to become part of Czechoslovakia, while Hungary was also to lose Transylvania to Romania and Croatia and Slovenia to Yugoslavia. The Treaty of Sevres was signed in August 1920. As a result, Turkey lost territory to Greece and Italy, while parts of the Turkish Empire became mandates of France, which was given Syria, and Britain, which was given Palestine, Iran, and the Transjordan. Furthermore, Dardanelles were to become permanently open to all shipping. The Turkish national movement, led by Kemal Mustafa Atatürk, was established to overturn the terms of the Treaty of Sevres and expel foreign soldiers. This was achieved by October 1923, and the new Republic of Turkey was proclaimed, with Kemal as its first president. The Treaty of Lausanne was written following this. Last, but definitely not least, the Treaty of Versailles, which Germany signed on the 28th of June 1919. Under this treaty, Alsace-Lorraine was returned to France, Ypres and Malmody to Belgium, West Prussia to Poland, and North Schleswig returned to Denmark. Also, the Rhineland was demilitarised. Furthermore, German colonies in Africa became mandates under the League and the Saar Valley was to be administered by the League of Nations for 15 years, and France could use its coal mines. A plebiscite would be held after 15 years to decide its return to either Germany or France. Now Germany's military force. The German army was limited to 100,000 troops, no tanks, military, aircrafts or submarines, and only six battleships. Importantly, Anschluss, meaning unification, between Austria and Germany was to be forbidden while Germany was forced to sign the War Guilt Clause, which also meant that they had to pay reparations. One of the most devastating terms of the Treaty of Versailles was the War Guilt Clause, which stated that Germany and its allies were to blame for the outbreak of the war, and they were required to pay reparations for the damage and casualties caused by the war. One motive of the reparation payments was to weaken Germany's economy, so that it could not threaten other countries in the future. It was also because Germany's enemies had suffered great damage due to the war in terms of economy and human terms so they deserved compensation. France in particular demanded compensation as most of the war was fought on French land, ruining a vast amount of their infrastructures. As Germany signed the Treaty of Versailles, they were essentially accepting full blame for the war. Due to the complications which led to the war outbreak, The Germans believed it was unreasonable for them to accept full responsibility for the war, as many European powers had played a role in causing the war. Let's delve deeper into the reparations. For starters, disagreements. Firstly, Wilson, the US president, opposed the idea of reparation payment, as he claimed that this would cause resentment, and urged Germany to get revenge in the future. Meanwhile, Lloyd George, the Prime Minister of Britain, was in the middle. Although he was keen on the idea of reparation payments, he wanted to keep them as low as possible so that the German economy could recover quickly, as he was also concerned that this would disturb its trading links with Britain. Finally, Clemenceau, France's Prime Minister, wanted Germany to suffer and pay high reparations. Apart from serving as compensation, Clemenceau insisted this so that Germany would be kept weak and could never threaten France again. After long discussions, it was finally decided that Germany and its allies were to pay reparations and the amount was to be set by the Reparations Commission in 1921. However, it was clear that Germany and Bulgaria would mostly suffer from this as the treaties of Saint-Germain, Trianon and Sevres acknowledged that Austria-Hungary and Turkey had limited resources and would find it difficult to pay reparations. The Reparations Committee met again in 1921 to determine how much the losing nations had to pay for reparations. It was decided that Austria and Hungary wouldn't have to pay reparations as a result of their major economic problems. Meanwhile, Turkey had to pay a small amount of reparations according to the terms of the Treaty of Sevres, but they were eliminated in the Treaty of Lausanne in 1923. A figure of a £100 million was set for Bulgarian reparations, but only a fraction had been paid by the time it was cancelled in 1932. As a result of the committee meeting, Germany had to pay the highest reparations of £6.6 billion. This horrified the German representatives, and they argued that Germany was in no position to pay this as the war had resulted in their economy's devastation. The reparation terms of the treaty were unfair to the defeated nations, as when they signed the treaties back in 1919 and 1920, they signed the treaty without knowing how much they had to pay, so it was like signing a blank cheque. For the third and final section of this episode, I will look at the reactions of the victors and defeated powers. France had wanted and expected a much harsher settlement imposed on Germany, and they feared that the settlement left Germany stable or even economically and politically strong. This led to French foreign policy being dominated by the fear that Germany may threaten France's security once again. Russia felt increasingly isolated, as they were not invited to send representatives to the peace conference and were not consulted about the peace settlement terms. This is because Britain and France argued that Russia had no right to attend the conference after they had signed the Treaty of Brest-Litovsk. They also refused to have diplomatic relations with Russia's Bolshevik government, as they were f- fearful of a revolution and were anti-communist themselves. Meanwhile, Britain largely achieved its aims, although Lloyd George believed that punishment inflicted on Germany was too harsh. For Italians, the peace settlement was a huge disappointment. As the major decisions were made by the big three, and the Italian delegation had been largely ignored and humiliated during the negotiations. For example, its claims to parts of Albania, Fiume, Dalmatia, Adalia, and parts of the Aegean islands were denied. Furthermore, they were unhappy as they felt that other countries, namely Yugoslavia, gained at the expense of Italy. In the USA, the majority of the public were opposed to the settlement, This is because many of the Americans believed it was too harsh and would result in Germany taking revenge in the future. Many American politicians argued that joining the League of Nations would mean that the USA would be involved in future wars. The US Senate, which was dominated by Republicans who were against Wilson, a Democrat, did not agree to the Paris peace settlement and signed their own treaty with Germany. For Bulgaria, the settlement was seen as a national catastrophe. Their country was largely reduced in size, and their economy was severely damaged. Turkey resented the settlement, as they no longer controlled its once great Ottoman Empire, and they were placed under the control of the Allied army. Austria and Hungary were angered by the settlement, as it divided the territories of the Habsburg Empire between newly formed nation-states. They thought that the victors created new boundaries without regard to culture, ethnic and linguistic factors, and were upset as their requests for plebiscites were ignored. The settlement caused great resentment in Germany. Not only were German representatives not allowed to attend the peace talks, which made Germans feel like a diktat or forced peace was being forced upon them, but the terms were not based on the 14 points like they had expected. Secondly, they felt vulnerable as their army was reduced and the military equipment was limited. Thirdly, While Germany's African colonies were taken over by Britain, France and South Africa, millions of Germans would also be living under foreign rule in countries such as Czechoslovakia and Poland. Finally, Germans were angry as they were forced to sign the War Guilt Clause, even though they were not the only country to start arming prior to the war. Linked to this, the amount of reparations they had to pay was extremely high, which they felt was impossible to pay. On to Yugoslavia. Firstly, they became involved in territorial disputes, as they were bordering Italy, Austria, Hungary, Romania, Bulgaria, Greece and Albania. Secondly, Yugoslavia also remained weak and vulnerable, despite their friendly agreements with other nations, for example, the Little Entente with Czechoslovakia, Romania and France, as well as an alliance with Greece, Romania and Turkey. Thirdly, they had a backward agricultural methods, and a limited industry, making them heavily reliant on Western loans. Poland also had a number of problems. Firstly, fewer than 18 million in their population of 27 million were Poles, or more than 1 million were German. Secondly, there were 14 political parties in Poland, which meant that attempts to retain democracy led to weak and unstable governments. Thirdly, due to border disputes, conflict often arose between Poland and Germany, Czechoslovakia, Lithuania and Russia. This is because Poland wanted more land beyond the agreement made at the Paris Peace Conference. As a result, the Treaty of Riga added a strip of land to Poland's eastern borders. In Czechoslovakia, the German-speaking populations of Bohemia, Moravia and the Sudetenland claimed they were being discriminated against. Austria was landlocked and most of their industrially productive areas were given to Poland and Czechoslovakia under the terms of the Treaty of Saint-Germain. They were also reliant on foreign loans and inflation was high, which led to political instability. Thirdly, under the Treaty of Versailles, they were forbidden from Anschluss with Germany, which they thought would be a solution to their problems, and foreign loans were only given to them in response to Austria committing not to uniting with Germany. Finally, The aftermath of World War I led to political chaos in Hungary. Under the post-war settlements, Hungary lost two-thirds of its population and the lot of its industrial lands to Czechoslovakia, Romania and Yugoslavia. They also suffered from major economic problems and heavily relied on foreign loans. That's the end of this episode. Thanks again to fellow students Anna, Jasmine, Rosa and Zoe for the content in this episode. In the next episode, I'll be looking at crisis and tensions in the early 1920s. This is the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening. Please consider using the links in the description below to leave a voice message for me, leave feedback for me, or visit my website which hosts additional revision material. Depending on which app you are listening to this on, you could also rate and review the podcast. Thank you. Oh, oh,